Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifted you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. So happy 4th of July. Today we're going to start a third segment of our summer series called Nature, and today we're going to be talking about mountains, mountains. See, here in Florida, it is flat. (laughs) It is flat. The biggest mountain you get here in Lakeland is you go on 540A, and over there next to George Jenkins, uh, George Jenkins, there's a big hill, uh, and that's the mountain. We call it Lake Lake Mountain. I don't know what it's called, but um, that's the biggest mountain we have here in Lakeland. But when I went to the West, there is mountains everywhere. We went to Arizona a couple a couple uh, weeks ago, and I saw mountains in a different light. I saw mountains in a different light. We went to the Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon, and it pictures do not do justice what the Grand Canyon is. I mean, you look out, and it looks like like a a, a picture. You look like you're like on a wallpaper, and and it, it's just beautiful. And you you take in how big the mountain is. But if you're a believer, you really take in how big God is. And me and my wife were up there, you know, looking at this mountain. And, and we're, we're on, I think it was on the south end of, of the Grand Canyon. But we have to realize that what we're looking, how big, how majestic, how grand what we're looking at is so big. But it's just a little part of the bigger picture. There's more to this mountain. And then I looked at my wife and my, we looked at each other and we're like, how can people say that there's no God. So big. And we're so small. And we question certain things in our life. But mountains are so big. They're massive. And, you know, we it just doesn't do justice sometimes even taking pictures of it. But here's some facts about mountains. Mountains cover one-fifth of the world's land surface, um, occurs in 75% of the world's countries um, and provides homes for at least one-tenth of the world's people, mountains. Mountains also provide 80% of the planet's fresh water. um, It comes from mountains, and uh, the world's rivers feed through mountain sources. How about this? One of the highest mountains known in the universe is called Olympus Mon, and that's a giant volcano in Mars. And it takes, it's as size as three Mount Everest's. Huge, huge mountain. If we go to where the Bible was written in, in, in the, um, the Middle East, especially in Israel, we see that Israel is very diverse. On one end, the south end is a, a lot of deserts. And then on the north end is snow-capped mountains in that region. And if you read throughout the Bible, for some reason, God, uh, God used mountains to bring some of the greatest stories that we tell each and every Sunday and that we tell our kids. He used mountain ranges to identify with these people. If those rocks can talk, what would it say about the greatest stories of Elijah and, and so many people that crossed those ranges and fought alongside of those rocks? See, this month, we're going to talk about major mountain structures 
in Israel and how God used those mountains to shape the Bible and also shape our lives so we can take these stories to identify with our reality now and change some perspectives in our lives. Today we're going to be talking about and discussing Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is in that region. And today Mount Moriah, where it sits right now, Mount Moriah is somewhere underneath the Temple Mount in Israel and the Dome of the Rock. You know, throughout the Bible, God used this special place to have significant things in people's life. You talk about the, the you talk about this character David in the Bible. David, after receiving the prophetic word from God in the prophet, he selected this site to be the site of the temple that they were going to build. If you can talk about Solomon, Solomon, um, God chose Solomon, David's son, to build this temple. Solomon determined to build this great temple of God to honor God, and it began at the threshing floor right there in Mount Moriah. If you also read the account of Jesus, Jesus around around this mountain, Mount Moriah, just very close to it is where Jesus was crucified as well. But the event that started all the events on this mountain was Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac on Mount Moriah. See, this test that Abraham was dealing with was not just a test to produce faith. It was a test to reveal faith. There's two different things. There's come seasons where God is testing us. Is God is producing some faith inside of us, but then there's some season where God is trying to reveal some faith. What is the faith that you're growing in? What is the, the, the process that you're dealing with? So in this portion of the Bible, Abraham was tested. God slowly, piece by piece, year by year, built faith in this man, Abraham. And the test was to reveal that faith that God built in Abraham throughout the years. Let's go to Genesis chapter. Um, I didn't put the chapter. I, oh, I just deleted it. There it goes. Genesis chapter 22. And we're going to go to um, 22, verse 22. And let's read it here as we get some context to what God wants us to use, our, um, activate our faith in this season. In verse 22, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, who you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer, offer him there a burnt offering on one of those mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood and the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here um, with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he, and he took it in his hand, the fire and the knife. So they went they went both together. And Isaac said to his father, Father, he said, here I am, son. He said, behold, I see the fire. I see the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And, and Abraham said, I, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went together. They both, both went together. So there's four things we have to look at this mountain experience with Abraham and Isaac that can identify for our life as we put our faith 
in action. Number one is this. He hears the command. Abraham hears the command. See, Abraham heard the command from God. See, at times you can hear the command of God, but do you really are, are you really listening and activating that command? See, if I was Abraham, I would say the thing that you're telling me, God, is too hard, is too painful, is too much sacrifice, and it's not going to happen. But something happens in your life when you hear the commands of God, but then you also respond to that command. Because we can hear all day, but it's our job to respond to what God is saying. See, but we, the first thing we have to understand as well in this in this conversation that Abraham and God were having is Isaac, his son, there was a promise on Isaac's life. There was a promise that there was not fulfilled yet in the life of Isaac. So you got to understand that the, the, this conversation, this command that God was giving Abraham didn't mesh up with the promise that God had for Isaac. It did not mesh up. You see here in Genesis chapter 17, verse 19, he talks to Sarah and Abraham towards Isaac. It says, and God said, no, um, said, no, but Sarah, your wife will bear a son. You shall call him Isaac and I will establish my covenant within him and every, an everlasting covenant of his offspring after him. So what God told Abraham then didn't mesh up with what God was telling Abraham now. It, it was a test of difficult, so difficult in every aspect of this because the fulfillment of the promise wasn't fulfilled in Isaac's life. So why is God telling Abraham to do this? It seems strange and contradictory to kill the son who promised to carry the covenant and that was not yet fulfilled. God, you gave me this promise through my son, and now you're telling me to sacrifice the promise before it's fulfilled. What are you doing, God? Have you asked that question before? God, what are, what are you doing? What is happening? Because what I know, it's, it's contradictory to what you're trying to tell me to do. What if God was telling Abraham this? Abraham had to learn the difference between trusting the promise and trusting the promiser. We have to understand this. We can trust the promise all day and in the promise becomes an idol in our life. I'm preaching today. Because the reality is, we have to serve the promiser and not the promise. We can put God's promise before him, before God himself. And we feel responsible to fulfill this promise, even to the point of disobeying God himself. Because when the promise becomes bigger than God, it's, not, it's, it's about you and not about him. So Abraham at this moment was so confused about the promise that God, that God had for Isaac's life, the offspring that was going to become the Israelite people. He was like, how can that big promise be fulfilled? Because Abraham was trying to make it manufacture himself. But God was testing Abraham to say, hey, do you trust me more than what I can do in you? Do you trust me? 
Do you trust the promiser more than the promise? But then we see this unclearness and the command that God gave Abraham. It gave him so many uncertainties. But we see Abraham do something out of the norm. We see Abraham doing something out of, out of his hum- humanity. Because if it was me and God said, sacrifice your son, I'll be like, no. You're crazy. But Abraham did something a little different. See, he, he heard the command, but he made a response to that command. Because he, he answered God, here I am. Here I am. Abraham's quick answer to the call is a wonderful example of how men and women of faith should respond to God. Because when he was saying, here I am, God, Abraham was saying, here I am. This meant that I am ready to be taught. I'm ready to obey. I'm ready to surrender. And I'm ready to for you to examine me, God. By, by Abraham responding to this crazy task, he's saying, God, whatever is in me, whatever's holding me back, whatever's blocking me from you, God, let it be done. Because when I say here I am, I'm saying examine me. Have you ever, have you ever said, God, God, examine who I am. Examine my motives. When you say, here I am, God, you're like, I'm going to obey what you did. It doesn't matter what I feel. God, I'm here. Abraham said, while he's saying, here I am, he's saying, whatever your will is in my life, let it be done. See, he responded to the command. Sometimes God tells us something and we don't respond to it. We just listen to it. And we put these false things in in the way of like, oh, I'm just praying about it. And that's great. You got to pray about it. But sometimes you just got to go. Because if God said it, he is faithful to walk you all the way through it. And Abraham knew this in his life. Abraham said, I am, I'm here, I'm ready to be taught, I'm ready to surrender. Even though every word that God was saying to Abraham was like a knife going into his heart. Take your son, take your only son, whom you love, offer him. And as a burnt offering, daggers in his soul, daggers in his heart. It's the love of a father. But we see Abraham didn't let his pain dictate his purpose. And sometimes we let the pains of life dictate what God really wants us to do. There is something that happens when we live outside of our feelings. It's called faith in our life. But are we mature enough that when God commands, we're saying we are ready We're open, we're available, and we're able. Sometimes, even the thought of pain blocks us from the fulfillment of the promise. Sometimes we make scenarios in our minds that they're probably not even going to come true. Anybody been there before? Who's those overthinkers? You know, I wasn't going to judge you, but they... You think of a scenario... And you think of everything bad that can happen. And some of the things that we even think about, they're like, 
this, you, that, it's not going to happen. But this person might do this. And, and what we do is we let pain and fear hold us back from what God wants us to do in our life. See, if Abraham let his pain and hurt of this, this command that God had for him, he can never see the fulfillment of God in his life. So even though Abraham didn't know what God was going, if God was going to provide, listen to this, even though Abraham didn't know God was going to provide the sacrifice, he still knew God was going to provide. Let me, do we have faith enough to, to, to see if, to have the mindset of like, I don't know if God's going to provide, but I know God's going to provide. See, what does this tell me in my life? This tells me this, that I can have doubts, but also activate in faith. Abraham didn't like the command, but he still activated his faith and God provided. See, sometimes we let our doubts, you know, yes, there's going to be times where like, I don't know how this guy, I don't know how this bill's going to get paid. I don't know how my family member's going to say there is doubts. But when we have faith over our doubts, we can go into the seasons in our life and trust God's going to provide what he needs for the season we're in and know that he has our back. God, I don't know. God, I don't know, but I still trust him and here I am. God, I don't understand, but I still trust him. Here I am. God, I have my doubts, but my human doubts will not stop me from the command that you have for my life because my life is not my own. It belongs to you. What pains in your life have derailed you from growth in God? What, what pains in life? Why God, why didn't you heal them? It's painful. God, why did they have to die? God, why did we, why did, it, was there separation? Why couldn't it be mended? Things that we don't understand, but do you trust God with your pain? And know that he still has a promise instilled for your life. Here I am, God. Hear the command. Respond to it. Number two, he climbed the mountain. He climbed the mountain. Not only did he hear, he acted on the command. Let's go to um, verse three. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of the young men and, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood of the burnt offering and arose and went to the place that God had told him. Let's put this in perspective real quick. God tells him, hey, sacrifice your son that you love. He said, do this sacrifice. Now he's dealing with the pain of this command. And now he has to get the materials to act on this pain. This is crazy. He's now cutting the wood sharpening the knife of the thing that he doesn't want to do. He's getting the preparation. How much faith you have to have 
to do the thing you don't want to do and still do it. <laughs> In the season of our life, have you been dealing with the pains of this command? He's been dealing with it. How about this? Have you been in the season of I don't want to? I don't want to respect that boss. I don't want to give. I don't want to stay at this job. I don't want to follow the rules that my parents tell me to follow. Ha ha, young people. I don't want to. Have you been in that season before? I don't want to, but even though he didn't want to, in the midst of the pains and the opinions, he still prepared the way. That's hard. That's tough. I don't know if I have that much faith. Abraham's obedience showed that he trusted God even when he didn't understand. And sometimes... Uh, the, the obedience, he, he says, I'm going to obey or believe until, I, sometimes we say, I'm going to believe and do what God tells me to do when I understand it all. But when we do that, we put ourselves equal to God. When we say, God, I will do what you tell me to do when, when I understand it fully, you're making yourself God. Because our job is to not understand. Our job is to trust, is to have faith, is to prepare even when we don't want to. How much faith do you need to go through the I don't want to seasons in your life? I have a 13-year-old. She's really six. Her name is Riley. And I feel like she's in the I don't want to season all the days of her life. She is difficult. She's a she. I say, Riley, go take a bath. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. And it's if, as if you're killing the kid. I'm like, as the father, I know if you don't take a bath, you're going to stink, and no one's going to like you. You're cute. You're beautiful. But if you stink, you ain't getting a boyfriend. We're not talking about that right now, all right? But I'm trying to, so, something so simple right now, I'm trying to instill with her as the father that if you don't do this, there's repercussions later. Even so simple as a bath. But she fights it and says the words, I don't want to. And I tell her, you're going to stink. <laughs> but it's her job to trust the Father. See, God has so many things in store for each and every one of your life. And he knows that if you don't respond to the command, if you don't climb this mountain, that on the other side, you're going to miss what he has for you. But when we're in the I don't want seasons, we become spiritual children. 
And we're like, God, I don't want to. But guess what? You're going to stink. We have to go all the way through with the command, but also walk up that mountain. Because on the other side of your obedience is your deliverance. Abraham had three days of walking to get to the mountain, and it made the test even more severe. <clears throat> but then, did I say David? I mean Abraham, sorry. Verse 5 says, Then Abraham said to the young men that came with him, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over and worship and come again to you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to worship when times are tough. <laughs> I want to tell you my problems. I want to get sympathy because I know what I'm dealing with, so I'm just going to go to you and be like, can you, can you believe they're talking about me? Can you believe that, boss? And we become toxic. But when we become toxic, we think other people are toxic around us. And guess what? You're the one in the middle. But Abraham, Abraham could have told the guys that came with him, do you believe, he believed God. There was a promise and, and, he, and he didn't fulfill it. Three days he could have been gossip queen over God. What do you, why is he done? Have you been there before? Are you, are you, are you guys that holy? Cause I'm not, I know people that will talk their way out of the promise. But Abraham had three days, but when he got to the place, <laughs> he said, stay here. Me and the boy are going to worship on top of the mountain. And guess what? We're coming back. How did he know this? How did Abraham have the guts to climb up the mountain, but also be prophetic in the same way, saying, hey, we're coming back? He had an attitude of worshiping through. Sometimes we block our worship and our breakthrough because we can't worship through. When you worship through your pain, when you worship through your hurts, when you worship through your insecurities, through your incomfort, through your no answers, you have faith to go and stand whatever God has for me. I might not feel it, but I know he will provide. Don't block your worship because you're dealing with stuff. Matter of fact, worship harder. Worship more. Stop complaining and start praising. Because Abraham could have complained so much, but he declared that on this mountain, I am not going to complain. Yes, it might be a tough thing God's telling me to do, but I choose to worship through. I choose to not complain. I choose to praise because I know my praise is a weapon against the enemy. And when I praise, God does something on the other side and my praise activates my faith and my faith activates the deliverance that God has for me. 
You want deliverance? Worship. You want, you, want, you want things to happen in your life? Raise your hands and worship him. Because your weapon is your worship and your praise. And Abraham knew that. He told the guys at a prophetic saying that, hey, I'm going to go up and worship and we're going to come back. I'm going to go and do what God's telling me to do. I'm going to worship through. But when I worship through, I know by faith that I'm going to come back with my son. Is the deliverance that he didn't even know God was going to provide. Because we have more faith when we worship through. Can we worship through? Can we have faith to believe if, even if we don't see it? Our faith is never attached to our feelings. Our faith is always attached to uncertainties. That's why we need faith. <laughs> Pass our understanding. So he climbed up, and number three, we're going to use a Nike term, just do it, Nike. Not only did Abraham hear the command, not only did he walk up the mountain to the place, he acted on it. You can arrive at a place in your life, and if you don't do it, it's worthless. It doesn't matter if you hear, it doesn't matter if you climb. If you don't do it, it's worthless. I feel that us as believers sometimes, we get to the shores of faith and never jump in. We get just enough and we don't jump in fully. Abraham had to climb up, but he also had to do what God told him to do. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. Isaac received the wood for the sacrifice from his father, and he carried it up the hill for the sacrifice. Abraham took the knife up the hill. He didn't just leave the knife behind, or he didn't just forget the knife. He took it in his hand, and this further demonstrated his obedience. Verse 6 says this, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father, he said, here I am. And he said, behold, I see the firewood. I, I, I see the fire. I see the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they both went of them together. They both went together. This literally means that two of them went in agreement. Think about this. Isaac didn't know, did it, went up with his dad knowingly and willingly. This phrase repeats twice to emphasize this, that they went together. You heard that right. They agreed, and they were willing. In this story, you hear a lot about the faith of Abraham. But you don't hear a lot about the faith of Isaac. But by them saying twice that they went together, it's translated that they went willingly and knowingly. 
Because at some point in the journey, Isaac started realizing something a little crazy. <laughs> he started saying, hey, pops, love you. I see the wood. I see the fire. Um, you have a bag? Because I don't see no burnt burn offering here. Isaac started realizing what was going to happen. And he was still willingly and knowingly followed the father. They went in agreement. God spoke to me this week. And I really believe that it's so vital for our life. The faith we show for the future generations will be the faith they operate in. The faith we show the future generations will be the faith they operate in. What faith are we showing our children in the future generations? Are we too safe? Are we showing our children to be too safe? Or are we telling our children to live in faith? Because what they see is what they'll become. And at some point, in Isaac's life, he saw his father, Abraham, activate faith in his life. And he gave him the courage and the willingness to know, hey, we are in a tough situation here. But I have the faith to trust my father because I seen him activate faith in the past. What faith are we showing our children? What faith are we showing our cousins? What faith are we showing our, our family members? Because it can be the faith that one day when life hits and they are shown what to do in their life, maybe your faith can be the reminder that they can have faith themselves. So are we being too safe? Uh, <laughs> I know I am. I know I can work in this area, but the faith shown will be the faith that is grown in the generations to come. Because at this time, Abraham was about 100 years old and Isaac was way younger than him. And Isaac could escape from his father, but he trusted and submitted perfectly, remembering Abraham's faith. Never, that he, and Isaac never forgot that faith that he saw in his dad. And he said, upon this wood, the obedient son Isaac laid down. He was not forced. It said he laid down ready for the sacrifice. It's important that our children see us activating and operating in faith. It's important for us. It's just not going to happen, guys. We're dealing with Elijah and Riley tying shoes. Is the worst thing ever. I remember in school, they used to teach us to tie a school, our shoes. Now, we got to do it. What the heck? But if I don't teach him, he's not going to know. And he's going to be wearing Velcro shoes all his life. What we show, they will take up. And this is where 
you have to just go and see. And, and, and he said that because of him going and the, the time and the operating, he changed his life. And this sacrifice was going to happen. What is taught will be operated later on. That's our close. Number four, they see the deliverance. Think about the thoughts that were going through Isaac and, and uh, Isaac and Abraham's life uh, at this time. Listen, Abraham and Isaac is laying down. They're about to do this. I can imagine in my mind, Abraham's like shaking. Abraham raised the sword to sacrifice the promise. He still did it. He still took his obedience all the way through. Abraham knew that anything was possible, but it was impossible that God will break his promise. He knew that God wasn't a liar, so Abraham knew that God was able and he could do it. He spoke before he walked up the mountain, that he was going to return in faith. So what does it look in our life if we fully surrender to God? In the moment, Abraham showed God that there was nothing that will come in between my faith, my love for God. So we see here in verse 11, and the angel of the Lord called to him in the heavens and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He answered again, and he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for I know that, that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, behold, behind him, was a ram caught in the thicket of the horn. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. I can imagine when Abraham saw that ram, it was like a, oh gosh. Every doubt was answered with faith. It was like, what does this show us in our life? That God is always on time. That God is always on time. Matter of fact, this story is a foreshadowing of Jesus when he was dying. The son took the wood, the cross, up the mountain. He was the sacrifice for us. This was foreshadowing what Jesus was going to do years later. But I'm here to tell you today. That when you are at your lowest, God is thinking of your highest. And the deliverance that you eagerly seek is on the other side of your obedience. Abraham didn't want to sacrifice Isaac, but God needed to see if there was anything greater in Abraham's life than the, more than the promise and, and, or the promiser in his life. And when we feel like we're at the end, and when we feel that there's no way out, and when we feel like we screwed up, and when we feel like we want to quit, I'm here to tell you today, get back, get back to God because he's providing a ram for your deliverance, and God has your back. He's providing what you need for the season you're in he is right on time and he went to the place I'm here to tell you today 
the place, the mountain of your biggest pain and hurts will turn into the greatest worship and deliverance in your life. When you will be obedient to what he's saying in your life. Are we willing to do the impossible to receive the possible from God? And yet life is not fair and I want to quit, but is quitting the remedy to your heartache? No. It's faith. In the time of pain and uncertainty, we trust through that pain. <laughs> Life is all about faith, trust, and surrender. You can't expect supernatural deliverance operating in mediocre faith. Write that down. You can't expect supernatural deliverance just operating in mediocre faith. Are you willing to say, here I am, God. I'm going to climb. I'm going to do. I'm going to see the deliverance that you have for me all the time. On Mount Moriah, this act of obedience saved the nation to this day, the Jewish people. So you didn't see that Abraham named this place by his experience. He didn't say, this is the mount of my trial. Or this is the mount of my agony. This is the mount of my obedience. Instead, Abraham named the hill in reference to what God did. He named it the mount of provision. And what we declare in the season we're in is going to put identification of what God is doing in our life. What are you naming your mountain? But we need to trust through our pain. We need to trust that through the end. We can't quit. Deliverance is on the way. You have to just go all the way. See, some must look at this story as harsh. Why did God tell him to do this? But I'm here to tell you that life is going to give you situations and you're either going to trust or you're either going to hide. And I believe some believers are scared to act on a command that they would never receive the deliverance that they want. They want the God of the mountaintop, but they don't trust the God of the valley. But when pain shows his ugly face, we hear, we walk, we do, and we see the deliverance that God has. Don't block your promise because of your pain. Don't block your promise because of your pain. Where are you in this story? Has God spoke to you? Are you holding on to that? Have you activated your faith? Because God's going to tell us to do some things that is going to be past our understanding, but do you trust them all the way through? And see the deliverance that he has for you on the other side of your obedience. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together. Thank you.